Welcome to the Prime Life Project Podcast, a place to help you unlock your full potential, both mentally and physically, to become the best version of you. Welcome back to another episode of the Prime Life Project Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel James. And before I get into introducing today's guest, Mr. Nick Littlehales, I've had a lot of you contacting me on how you can work with me on a one-to-one online coaching basis. So I've attached a link in the show notes to take you to the application form. Once it's filled in, we can arrange a call and see how I might be able to help you. Now, today's guest... Nick Littlehales has over 30 years experience in the world of sleep science and has spent over 17 years working with elite athletes from Manchester United, Arsenal Football Club, Real Madrid, Team Sky, Liverpool and Hugo Boss. He's the former director of one of the biggest brands in the UK and former sleep chairman for the UK Sleep Council. Nick has conducted many practical and clinical research projects into sleeping habits which led to him releasing his book in 2016 called Sleep. This episode is jam-packed full of amazing tips on how you can supercharge your sleep. So, as always, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of the Primal Project Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel James, and today I've got an absolute treat for you. I have got the world's top sleep coach, Mr. Nick Littlehales. He probably won't call himself that, which is very humble, but I'm calling him that. Like, I've read this guy's books, I've just been chatting to him off air, and it turns out he's just down the road from me. So all the research I did... And I could probably throw a stone and hit Nick. So, Nick, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Daniel. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be on your podcast and see you in the flesh. I know, I know. I literally, I, I couldn't believe when you told me where you lived. And all the research I did, and I missed out the most fundamental basic thing, which was that you, to find out where you actually lived. Yeah. So we can actually wave to each other. I know, I think we could. I genuinely think we could. So... Because I know your time's very precious, I want to get straight into this to add some value to the audience because I know so many people struggle with their sleep. So I just want to dive straight in there if that's okay with you. And my first question I want to ask is, why on earth do we not prioritize our sleep more? Wow. Um, I've probably not been asked that question before, Daniel. Um, Starting off with a curveball. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's... I think it's just a general feeling of taking it for granted. It's not a performance criteria. Um, you know, get your eight hours, see you in the morning, wake up. There's only so many hours left. So try and sleep, force yourself to sleep. Can I get to sleep? That sort of concept. And I think as the generations have gone through, certainly from, you know, maybe the nineties to where we are now, um, there's such a paradigm shift in that process. Mm. So I think before a certain point in time, we just, you know, you looked at nutrition, you looked at physical ex- exercise, you looked at hydration, uh, mental tools, sports psychology, sports science, everything else. We seem to deep dive into those areas. Um, but with this one, it's kind of like you can sleep, can't you? It's, it's, like like a, a, it's almost like an assumed. Yeah, it's just assumed. And that's always fascinated me. And that's probably the start of my journey, which always fascinated me. Well, you know, people like you and everybody else along that whole route was just like, so you just assume that your client, you know, going to a gym or a personal trainer or, at least athlete, or a CEO or whatever it is, or a parent or whatever it is, a pilot, a surgeon, nurse, you just assume that they're going to get this recovery because it just happens naturally. 
and probably I've not even got the answer to your question. But that's where we are with it. Look, it's because nowadays it's with mobile phones and all this crazy stuff that's going on. People have got other things to do rather than sleep, and I think like a lot of people don't actually understand how important sleep is to their overall health. So they just don't bother with it. Yeah, it's bizarre. I'd almost ask you the same question: Why don't they care about it? Again, you're throwing it back at me. John, no one's ever asked me that question. I, again. <laughs> again for me especially when I start out with clients one of the key things that I work on with is the nutrition the mindset stuff but then I also talk to them about how important sleep is because again I know you'll know all this I'm preaching to the choir here but for the listeners um, I'm happy to listen <laughs> when, when, when you're in a sleep deprived state you put yourself uh, hormonally speaking in a place where you're a lot more likely to overindulge in sugary sweets like with all the leptin and ghrelin yeah. all these hunger hormones all these controlling hormones um and we don't make smart decisions when we're tired. No. So we lose that ability to be rational. So I'll say to clients how important sleep is. But then it's also, as you said, we only prescribe, right, got to get your eight hours. But it's like a blanket thing of one size fits all. And again, yeah. what, again you, you mentioned in your book, where does that come from? Where is this thing of you need eight hours? Where does that come from? Who came up with that? And why is that so wrong? Well, um, I'm very passionate about this subject, so this could go on for ages. But the oh, principle is, you know, the sun goes around the planet. It's called circadian rhythms. We put a clock on it called 24 hours, okay? 24 hours and a bit, actually. So it's a rolling 24-hour process. Within that, you've got four phases, 16 stages of that whole process. And that's something we don't even get educated about at school, right? So when you put that in context, 30-odd percent of 24 hours, that rolling circadian process, actually equals eight. So 30% of that 24-hour block is eight hours. There's another subject that we could talk about for hours then, but up until the light bulb was invented, artificial light, Mm. humans always slept in a polyphasic manner, which is multiphasic, which is three times a day, twice a day, six times a day, four times a day, they were very much more attuned with that circadian room. When the electric light came along, we started to shift to a monophasic approach. So anybody, just tap it in your browser, polyphasic, monophasic. There's more polyphasic sleep-wake cycles for the human being. There's only one monophasic cycle, which is one block at night. So the way the eight hours came about was you need eight hours worth of recovery in any 24 hours as a human being. There's more deep diving into that, but that's the principle. Mm -hmm. When we shifted it to just one block in what's classified as being nighttime, Mm -hmm. that became a monophasic block. So that's where the eight hours came from. You need to get your eight hours at night. But that was a crazy shift from a piece of electric light bulb, this and that and everything else. And so it puts a lot of pressure on that period. So the eight hours came from you need 30-odd percent of your 24 hours in a sleep state, and we pushed it all into a monophasic block called eight hours at night. That's it. So before then... science involved. (laughs) So before before then, were people... 
like just sleeping whenever they felt like it. So you're saying they're more in tune. So like w- before the light bulb was invented. Not necessarily whenever they felt like it. It was when the brain, part of that whole process, so, you know, your brain and your bodily functions is called Daniel. I can call you Nick or Susan. I can call you anything I want. Yeah. It's a brain and bodily functions connected with the sun going around our planet, which is called the circadian rhythms, which also creates an internal biological clock in the hypothalamus in your brain and in every cell of your body. So that's why, you know, when you run out camping or mountaineering or get outside and stuff, suddenly the world just seems a better place because you're more synchronized. So the human being has been running away from this synchronized process. You know, all the mammals, the animals, the planets, the, you know, the plants and everything else, and anybody's, you know, experienced lockdown has realized, you know, the birds start singing in synchronization in the morning. Absolutely. As if they're at a rock concert. But they've disappeared now because I've got all this background noise of traffic and people. So I've just lost them. So it's it's about that synchronization with that process. So, you know, a lot of people will wake at 2 o'clock in the morning or 3 o'clock in the morning, feel wide awake and worry about getting back to sleep, Daniel. Mm-hmm. That was me last I've night. I've done it. Everybody's done it. Literally, that was me last night. That was me last night. <laughs> When you actually look at it, the deeper sleep stages of sleep, when you look at the circadian rhythms, are revealed between 10 o'clock and 12 a.m. and 2 a.m. Once you get past 2 a.m., you're in a wake state, right? Because the sun's coming back. That's why they, you know, it's, it's not surprising. I always find this funny. Sorry to go off on a tangent. Oh, no, I love it. I love it. But, but you know, midnight is actually 12 a.m. in the morning. Yep. Right, so once you start working with athletes and start working with performance and all this sort of stuff, you suddenly realize it's not twelve midnight, it's not twelve o'clock at night. The sun set here; it's on its way back. Mm. This is one o'clock in the morning. This is two o'clock in the morning. This is three o'clock in the morning. So when we shifted this eight hours into one monophasic block, we're actually trying to sleep. When it's in the morning. I get you. Yeah, right? I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that make any sense? Yeah, no, so, no I hadn't thought of it like that. Yeah, no, that makes actually, total sense. Actually falling asleep at one o'clock in the morning is one o'clock in the morning. It's not one o'clock at night. Is that why? I'm trying to think in the top of my head. I got told, I can't remember where I heard it or how long yeah. ago it was, that it's more important that hours you sleep before 12 o'clock than it is afterwards. Yeah. Is that, that why? That was your grandparents. That yes. was people older than me. They said the hours before 12 were more important than the hours after 12. And is this why they meant it? When you start thinking about owls and larks and PMs and nighttime chronotype, we know all this stuff. You know, We know all this stuff. So if you get a couple of cycles between 10 a.m. and 12, you might reveal the deep sleep stages, the stuff that's really great for you, rejuvenative, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Because you're only going to get about 15, 20% of that, even if you sleep for 10 hours or 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. That's all it's going to reveal. So you have to get it before 12 or just after 12. Because anybody who's got a tracker, and all your fitness guys listen to this, trackers, Garmin this, Fitbit that, mm-hmm. heart rate variability, <laughs> da 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 no deep sleep ever gets revealed after mm. three o'clock, right? Wow. That's amazing, isn't it? 
Well, if you just wander back and tap it in your browser, it's a natural process. So you can actually get your deep sleep in certain places. You can actually think polyphasically, not just monophasic. You can actually think, you know, just because it's dark, just because it's one o'clock in the morning, nurses, pilots, surgeons, personal trainers all over the world who are still awake doing their stuff in different time zones. Humans can sleep in any particular way. Any, they can do anything they want on this planet. Mm. And it's only when you get a little bit sort of blinkered, you know, a bit blindfoldy to you live in that particular postcode, so this is what you do. But when you work with international athletes around the world, you have to define an approach for them that works with their natural chronotype, their sleep characteristic, those timings, those biological, their exposure to light, dark, and temperature, their exposure to those circadian rhythms. And even if you're working with an NBA you know, basketball player who's born on the East Coast and plays on the West Coast, they have an internal circadian rhythm that cannot be changed. No. You can camouflage it. You can, you know, ignore it. You can overstimulate it. You can do anything you want, but there is a natural chronotype rhythm to that person when you shift through time zone. So it's that wonderful conversation. I know that's a bit much for your no, answer. No, 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 no honestly, a little bit. I, I just want to tap into something. Do you need to talk about chronotypes? Because some people here would never have heard what that is. So for people who have never heard that before, what is a chronotype and what does that mean in relation to sleep? Larks, Daniel, haven't they? That, potentially. Well, they might have done. So my, you know, my mother and father used to walk around going, owls and larks. You know, people like the morning, people like the night time. And I go, mm -hmm. okay. Amos or Then as I wandered through my journey in the sleep industry, I said, what does it mean, owls and larks? And then somebody said, well, it, it's a genetic twist. And, you know, it's very difficult to put all this into an hour. Oh, I know. Oh, trust but, me. I know. I know. I want people, but, at the end of this, I want people to buy your book because I know you're going into a lot of detail here. And, like, your <laughs> book what, explains it all. So, chronotype, me, it, chronotype is like circadian rhythms. It's about the sun up and sun down process, right? So, they gave it a name called circadian rhythms. Chronotype is because it's a genetic twist, right? Mm -hmm. So, Daniel and I, as two human beings, the brain and bodily functions, we lived outside. So the sun would rise. And if I had the characteristic, the DNA, the gene twist, that meant I would take the blue light from the daylight, the energy light, there's lots of waves in daylight, but the energy light from the blue light, that would trigger serotonin in my pineal gland in my brain. Right? Mm -hmm. That would trigger me to unsuppress everything and make me active. Now, if Daniel's a piano, an owl, that process has a phase delay of about one to two hours. So your light receptors, your pineal glands, and serotonin production to stimulate the brain to be active is on a phase delay. So that's why if you're a piano, uh, an owl, I'm an air, if we lived outside, when the sun rises, I'm up and I'm starving, bowel and bladder, hydration, fuel up, absolutely smash it. I have to wait for about an hour or so. And then I kick Daniel in the side and go, come on. A lot of people, a lot of people will be laughing at the thought of kicking me. 
I want, yeah. my, I want, my, I want my clients to be thinking, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> so you just keep you know, like, I've got the coffee on, I've got the food on, I'm cooking. And like, finally, you come to a place where you can start your day. Yeah? So I drag you into the first half of the day, the first phase into midday. Then we get into the second phase. Now I'm, now I'm an AM chronotype. I'm alert. So I'm starting to work with my melatonin because the light is diminishing. So my melatonin is increasing. So I'm starting to wind down and chill out, right? right? Which is, you know, we're doing this podcast at half past four in the afternoon. So, so, you, so you'll be starting talking, to wind down and I'll I'm be starting, starting to go up. To I'm starting to go. You're starting to go up again because you have this second wind. Mm. Right? So I take you through the first half of the day and the second phase of the day and you take me into what's called the final phase of the day mm. because you have that second wind. It kicks in. The, the problem is with chronotypes then is that there are more – nighttime chronotypes on this planet than there are AM chronotypes. That's but, interesting. I didn't I didn't know that. Yeah. It's probably about 70, 30. So that explains so, a lot then, doesn't it, about people struggling to get up in the morning to go to work. Absolutely. Because everybody has to start in a sort of AM as world, in a yes. morning chronotype, like take the kids to school, get to work, da-da-da. But when you actually look at any group or organization, the way we shift a performance factor, because I know you like that. Yeah, yeah. The way you shift a performance factor is if you've got a group of people, RB Leipzig, Bayern Munich, Manchester City, Liverpool Football Club, the LA Lakers, New Zealand rowing teams, whatever it is, if you look at the chronotype of that group and you adjust and redefine their approach, bang, bang, you have success. Because don't fight it, work with it. And it doesn't mean to say you, you, know, you can sleep later or whatever it is, but the whole technique over the sort of decades of working with individual athletes and all that sort of stuff, is, that's one of the most critical factors, is understand that if Daniel is the boss of the gym and he's a nighttime chronotype, but all his other personal trainers are morning chronotypes, and all the clients, I think you've got some 3,000 people signed up to you. If all those other 3,000 are morning chronotypes, is your business model directed at those chronotypes or directed at failure? So then would I be looking at potentially hiring coaches that are half and half? So then, yeah, when, the clients, yeah. so then the clients come in, you can almost split Absolutely. them half and half. It's like a successful business model. It's just about sport. It's just, it's like if all of your clients are AMers, but you and all your coaches are PMers. There's going to be a clash. There's going to be a clash. So, so, so this is this is this is then the thing then. So this information the is one percent available. Aggregation of marginal gains done. Yeah, absolutely. And again, when you're saying you did all the work with Dave Brailsford, like and all the stuff about him is absolutely incredible. And I know you helped pioneer uh, that winning GB cycling team and Sky Sports team. But when it comes to the um, people knowing this information. Why then is it not more readily available? Why don't people know about this? Because it's not like really some sort of secret, is it? Is it, or is it a secret? Is it because the coffee companies know this, and they're trying to like uh, get, us, get us into get into that coffee cycle? Now, now you're wandering into a, <laughs> you know the scary space of pharmaceuticals, uh, caffeine stuff mm. like that. I think 
it's another great question to understand. <laughs> yeah. um, that I've not been asked for a while. I think it's just, it's such a natural process, right? Mm-hmm. And when everybody, you know, I get asked this all the time, you know, how well did you sleep last night? Did you get your eight hours last <laughs> night? I said, well, actually, I just work on a rolling 24-7 process, right? There's no Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I just roll with the 24-7 process. Sun up, sun down, light, dark, and temperature. I have my little schedules. I have distracted breaks. I have a consistent wait time because the brain loves that. So I can't actually answer your question. So I think there is a, if the word's juxta, I don't know. Mm. But I think what you're asking me is why isn't that happening? I think Mm. there is a wonderful, natural, and easy process to this. And if it was made more available to people, sleeping tablets, melatonin supplements, eye masks, devices, trackies, I think it would all just come to a grinding halt. So I think it's about time that we all as a population just go, interventions are great. They're amazing. And there's going to be more of them coming. But if you've just got something you should have learned at school, something obviously your parents would have passed on to you if they'd have learned at school, some fundamental, and if you just put sleep, mm. and I know you're into fitness and training, love it, but if you put, which we set off, you know, beyond when we started recording, mm-hmm. if you put sleep first, this is about human, mental and physical recovery. If you put that first, then hydration, nutrition, exercise, mental health and well-being, mm will just flow makes it so much easier if you put it at the back as if it's just something you do at the end of the day nah it's not gonna work for you no. you're fighting a losing battle it's just not it's just not so someone else that was a good piece no, no. <laughs> on, 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 I knew this would happen. I knew I'd have some questions for you. And I was like, I know it's going to go completely off tangent. And, and again, I'm, I, I love how much information you've given here. Like, especially for anyone listening to this, you need to definitely research more about circadian rhythm. And again, Nick's got a great um, chart in his book, which again, it's beautifully referenced into these sleep cycles. But there's something that, again, I, just, I, I use the word there. There's something you mentioned earlier on that I wanted to pick up on again. Yeah. You see sleep as cycles. So you talk in sleep in terms of sleep cycles and how many cycles you get rather than how many hours you get. So these cycles, I know they're 90 minutes because I've read your book, which is why it's called the R90, the Recovery 90. So what on earth is a sleep cycle and why is it 90 minutes? Okay. Well, as I was wandering onto the library and talking to clinical professionals in the sleep science world, um, I became aware of that they would measure sleep. Uh, I think many people listening to this will know about sleep stages, right? Mm-hmm. There's light sleep, there's this sleep, there's REM sleep, non-REM sleep, deep sleep. So what they used to look at when you're in a clinical environment, taking the measurements from your frontal lobe off your brain, brainwave patterns. So all these trackers we've got are just guessing, okay? Mm-hmm. That's another subject. They're just guessing. So from the front of the low, we can check what stages of sleep you're in. And most of the professionals I ever work with 
like to look at that in the 90 minute cycle. Then they benchmark it against the next 90 minute cycle. So some people looked at it in 60 minutes, uh, but a lot of the key professionals, sleep scientists that I ever came across, would look at 90 minutes. So that's their gauge. So during that 90-minute period, you would go through light sleep, REM sleep, deep sleep, sleep-wake, sleep-wake, sleep-wake. You're on a polysomniograph. It's like a spreadsheet, light detector, and it's flicking around like that. And then the benchmark against the next section. So just remember what we said earlier was that, you know, all of those deep sleep stages tend to get created within that 24-hour circadian rhythm, mm-hmm. pre-12, just after 12. So five 90-minute cycles is 7.5 hours. There's your eight hours. Mm. Right? Yep. So don't laugh, Daniel, but a long time ago, when I first started to jump out of where I was and into sport, the first club I was working with was Manchester United. They played mm-hmm. football. And how long is a football game? 90 minutes. There's a break called 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. So you can't go a full 90. You have to have a little break. So that created this thing about cycles, redefining the language, and making sure that people didn't think about sleep as this sort of last thing you do at night. Start to think about, I want five cycles of that. So then we could start to break that down into something that made a little bit more relevance of okay? it. So if you chop your day up into 90-minute cycles, you get 16 timings, yep. four phases of the day. Now you've got some rhythm and pattern, right? mm-hmm. subconscious. And that's what the brain loves about circadian. It's about rhythm and pattern and harmony. Sun comes up, midday, goes down, diminished light, yada, yada. Right? So suddenly we started to find some focus with that. So the whole 90-minute cycle came from a clinical background. I didn't make that up. Mm -hmm. But it made more sense to a multi-scheduling football team and young athletes. So suddenly we stopped thinking about sleep and we started talking about five a day, Mm -hmm. four cycles at night because I'm an AM or a morning chronotype, little cycle earlier on in the day, late afternoon, use that polyphasic approach because we've got a game late at night, 7.45 kickoff, plane gets back here. So suddenly we just started going, oh, wow, this, this looks cool. This looks cool. So our objective in our sort of 24-7 world, seven days a week, we can plan all we want, mm-hmm. but there's these variables every day, both positive and negative. How do we deal with that? How do we protect the impact of negative and positive things coming. Mm. You know, the anxiety and stress, which is what you're all about. I don't want something to happen in front of me that has a, an enormous effect on me, mm. that creates almost an... So the coaches were able to go, this is what we're trying to do over the next seven days, whether it's Jose Mourinho or Pep Guardiola or Jürgen Klopp or whoever you want to pick. They just look at what they're trying to do over the next seven days, and they can go five cycles a day, 35 cycles a week, 
bang, some of those are back-to-back nocturnal cycles, 90 minutes. Some mm-hmm. of those are little distracted breaks. Little, you know, we send them home. What do they do? 90-minute cycle, 30-minute cycle. So they can look at that and go, that's a good program for recovery. Mm. So <laughs> whether I'm answering your question well enough or not, no, no, honestly, you, the, the detail you're given is absolutely incredible. I think some of the people, just to sort of like recap, because the information you sort of went down has, has, has been incredible. So Nick's approach with this, which is why I absolutely love it, is rather than people freaking out that they've got to get eight hours in a day, so like, and it's normally in one slot, this whole R90 approach is that you've got sleep cycles that last 90 minutes. And the goal is to start off with is to get five cycles a night, which then equals 35 in a week. But let's say you go out with your friends because we all go out with our friends and we sometimes have a late yeah. night. Rather than you then freaking out, what you then is you keep your constant wake time, then you work backwards and then you go to sleep at your next sleep cycle. Then that then will mean potentially you need to make up a cycle somewhere. And then this is the part I love about you. You then take a nap. But then the naps are called controlled recovery periods, which I absolutely love because it makes it sound so much better yeah. when I sleep on the sofa behind me. So take a yeah. controlled recovery nap. But then that's how you use it. You then use <laughs> naps. You then use naps to catch up on the sleep that you've missed. Then people don't have to freak out as long as they hit their 35 okay. cycles per week. Do me a favor. Yeah. Great. Absolutely wonderful description. I couldn't have done it by myself. But just don't mention naps too much. <laughs> the controlled recovery period is what it's about. It's not yep. catching up on lost sleep. Yep. It's not overtired. It's not granddad's into the fire. It's not snoozers for losers. It's part of your overall approach is you have a controlled recovery period mm-hmm. to be more productive, perform at your highest level, to be, have more consistent and sustainable levels of recovery because you create a controlled recovery period. Whether you're going to sleep or not is irrelevant, but that's what makes the difference. So it's a bit like mentioning sleep. You mention sleep once, and then stop talking about it. You mentioned naps, stop talking about it once you're gone. It's def- redefining what this is. Yeah. And I think you just described it brilliantly. You know, <laughs> I am clapping. Yeah, listen, listen, listen. The only way I'm describing it, the only way I'm describing it perfectly is because of your book. Your book has described it to me. And like yeah, I said before, yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've read, I've read yeah. it three times. So it's not a case I've just read it to talk to you. I'd already read it. I'd, I've no. read it. The, the, I think it came out. Was it 2016? It came out. I got that correct. It, yeah, I got yeah. asked to write the book. Um, you know, because I'm a modest guy. I don't like stuff like that. But Penguin Random House contacted me, and they wanted a different take on a you know, a key health pillar. Mm-hmm. And they'd done loads of research. And if you ever get into publishing, you know what this is all about. They check me out everywhere, you know, clinical trials, da da da, because they don't publish things that are going to get absolutely hammered yeah. in the press. They want to do it. So they checked everything else. Then they contacted me and said, will you write it? And I just went, nah. <laughs> because, you know, I know that everybody out there are just going to go, that's rubbish, that's crazy, that's it. But we did it. Um, so I started writing it in 2014. It got published in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, immediately, they got an enormous reaction because it was, it's a bit sort of like maverick, crazy. Um, but 
maybe that's a question for you, Daniel, sort of after I've just finished. When everybody read the book, they just thought, I know that. I understand that. There's nothing new in this book. I actually already understand all this stuff, but I'm not doing anything about it. So I think the general reaction from anybody who got the first published edition was like, Nick's just telling me stuff I already know. But then, you know isn't, it, isn't this funny though? Because that's exactly what I do with my clients. I'm not telling them anything new. As we said off, uh, uh, as we said oh. off air, when, when it comes to fat loss, everybody knows. You can go on Google right now and type in calories. Like, how many calories should I be eating to lose weight? You can go and get a generic program in the gym. You can do all that stuff. It's, it's absolutely fine. But the thing is, it's not customized to the individual and there's other things at play. So as you said, yeah. the thing I love about your book is, yes, people know the stuff in it. However, when it comes to the wording that you're using, it's then changing it from sleep as this thing, right? You've got to go to bed at this time. You've got to get eight hours. If it's broken sleep, then your days wrote off and so is your week and you've got to catch up at the weekend. But you use different terminology and then when you're implementing, again, the controlled recovery periods aka naps it's you're then looking at it completely differently and you're almost relieving all that stress tension anxiety over oh my god i've got to get to bed i've got to be asleep at this time freaking out freaking out yeah. you write it in such an easy way and the thing with you is you've worked with literally some of the biggest names in sport cristiano ronaldo for example every single person listening to this knows cristiano ronaldo you've worked with him at real madrid gareth bale sir alex ferguson terry on rear arsenal you've worked with literally some of the top athletes of all time so for you to say this, people are going to listen. So when you're saying to them, you've got to sleep in 90-minute cycles, if I said it, people would be like, shut up, who are you? But you've got, <laughs> such, you've got such high-performing athletes that have got your back, people are going to listen. Well, Dan, the, thank you for all that. But, you know, it's sort of this conversation is just about talking about stuff between you. And, mm-hmm. Of course, when you move into those you know, Chris Froome errors, Bradley mm. Wiggins errors, yep. Dave Brown errors. Um, our conversation slightly changes. Yeah, <laughs> It only changes because we're looking for ultimate performance, right? Yeah. We're looking for ultimate performance. So we're not dealing with sleep problems. We're looking to how can we create a recovery program that reveals a Tour de France winner yep. after three weeks, you know? Mm or a single-handed round-the-world sailor, or a professional mountaineer, whatever it is, right? So the great point is that everybody should take away. It's just a very simple process. And when I got asked to write the book, we got uh, a particular ghostwriter to help, because obviously I write in theoretical Mm -hmm. stuff, you know? So we needed somebody to ghostwrite it to make it more tangible, that everybody could read it. And the first ghostwriter just didn't get it. The second one got it. And that was a gentleman who had a young family. Uh, So he had all those little things. And all the time he was talking to me, and I go, right, this is the clinical side, this is the science side. He said, but I just love that. Mm. I just love that. That makes so much sense to me. So... It was written by somebody who was trying to put all of the good, all the great stuff in the background of it, but put it in a way that made it relevant to everybody. And that's the thing, right? because people, because people, because people, like people aren't trying to win the Tour de France. 
People no. just want to. This is right. This is the fundamental thing of life. Because yeah, Bradley Williams has got a family. Exactly. You know, Chris Froome's got a family. He's got yeah. a partner. He's, he lives in a house. Mm. He sleeps in a bedroom. He sleeps with a mattress. Yeah. He sleeps all <laughs> over the world. He sleeps for three weeks on Tour de France. And it was just like we've got to put that in context. Yeah. We've got to put that in context because yes, he's an elite athlete. He can ride two hundred k on a bike every day for three weeks. Beast of human. Beast yeah, of Garen human. Thomas. Mm. You know, they're just beasts, aren't they? Yeah. And, uh, you know, but he just wanted to bring it back to the challenges of everyday life. Because that's the thing, because fundamentally, people, people want to be happy. No matter what it is, people in life want to be happy. And most people, if you interview them, would say they probably don't get enough sleep or they don't feel good after sleep. Which is why then your book, again, in fact, this ghostwriter got it, like he understands, he's then made it relevant to the masses that don't want to win the Tour de France. They just want to go to bed and wake up feeling refreshed. And that's literally what you give them, which I think is an absolutely amazing yeah, thing that's, because that's what they that's want. That's all our challenge was. You know, you yeah. know, every day on a three-week tour of the Tour de France, I mean, rowing is tough. You know, rowing is a big thing. You know, Steve Redgrave, Matthew Pinson, you know, go back there. I've been working with those guys for a long, long time, and now we're still working. But, you know, rowing and cycling, serious recovery, right? Mm -hmm. Serious recovery. Because you're just putting yourself under so much pressure. And so that whole journey of wandering through recovery was amazing. And that's why we never tried to data collect. It was just all the guys in the team, you know, Team Sky, now Team Ineos, you know, they just, they just felt happier. Mm. And I, I give you a girlfriend tangent again. No, I love it, I love it. You know, you mentioned napping. Yep. Controlled recovery periods. It's my fault. Do you know that Bradley Wiggins inside the peloton was napping? How? How's that? Right, you can't leave that there. Well, that anybody, anybody who knows about cycling, yep. because the flow of the peloton, right, the shape of the peloton, all the other cyclists next door, the protecting from the wind, everything else. So he was going along at the same speed as everybody else, but doing less cycles. So they're protecting the rider, right? Mm. So that's a nap. So in a 200-kilometer ride, you have to protect the winner. And that's what a peloton is, right? Anybody who knows about cycling knows about this. Mm -hmm. If you want to take the rider to the front right at the end, three weeks later, you protect them with the peloton. So actually, some of the riders were actually taking a controlled recovery period because they were inside the peloton being protected by all the riders. Doing because less none work. of the, you know, Mark Cavendish, the sprinter, he only wins stages he doesn't win the Tour de France. Mm. He only wins stages. So they're all there. That's why they have so many cyclists in the team, is to protect the one who has the sustainable stamina, the stable cardiovascular, protect them from injuries, protect them from accidents. So it's going to be every day, the lead rider, where it's you know, Cantona, whatever it is, mm -hmm. The lead rider is being protected, and that's the same as your 24-hour process, is you're being protected because you're getting your recovery moments. If you yourself. were just up the front, if you put Chris Froome 
Bradley Wiggins up the front of that peloton, bashing that wind all day long, they ain't going to win the Tour de France. I, 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 I love watching Tour de France, by the way, but that analogy is fantastic. So I know you're using it as an actual real-life example, but the analogy of that is that people every single day are trying to basically win the Tour de France but lead the peloton at the same time. So they're, they're getting bashed, bashed by the wind, bashed by the wind, bashed by the wind, and they're you wondering why they have no energy. You can't eat. No. No. It doesn't matter, Daniel. You can't do it. You can't be at the front of the peloton determining the speed, bashing it out all day long. You'll just drop off and disappear. Mm. So nobody who leads the peloton in the Tour de France or any, you know, Vuelta, Giro d'Italia, wherever you go, and even in a football game, mm. you know, people like football or a netball game or a hockey game. You can't even, or even basketball. Do you mean even the best, even the best basketball players? Like you've they've yeah. got to come off to they've recover and then yeah. come back on again. Yeah. But but again, as humans now, we're just like go 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 go. We're actually, if you just take that time yeah. to recover. So even yeah. if you're talking about NBA and LeBron, amazing, you know, LA Lakers, whatever it is. You take them off, you bring them back on. Mm. And that's just like a peloton. Mm. But again, it's just and, like... And that's, that's just like life. You yeah. Know, that's just like life. So all it is about this stuff is just push it, back it down. Push it, back it down. Push it. So it's a balance between, you know, intense physical, mental and physical activity, of course, at the mm. right times of day, within your relationship with your client site, within your relationship with the harmony of the balance of coding rhythm. And wow, anybody who does this sort of process suddenly realizes that they're being more productive, they're actually achieving more, they have less consequences from the anxiety and stress of life. Um, I know you've read my book three times backwards, but that's, you know, it's now published in 15 languages, mm. Daniel, and it's still being published because it's not about the importance of sleep. You know, if you want to know about that, just get Matthew Walker's Why We Sleep book. Got that just well, get yeah. that and read it back <laughs> <Yeah>. to back. <laughs> yeah. You will know why sleep is important. Mm. Amazing. But, you know, one of your questions you asked me earlier was, when you put it into your context of your life, you know it's important. You know that it's probably going to create all sorts of things. But it's about the now. It's about your occupation. It's about how you're rolling through those days. And that's why, you know, I've been asked this question about four times this week. Do you sleep well, Nick? How many hours do you get? I said, well, I can't even answer that because... I've been on a rolling 24-hour process for a long time. So I, I don't even know what sleep means to me. It just happens. You understand, though. You, but you, the thing with it, you, can only, you understand that you can only push as well as you recover. So yeah. you are in, so in tune with your body that you know if you're pushing more, you've got to recover more. Yeah. And that's the thing, and people don't understand that. So I'm really cautious of your time, because, again, I know you're an incredibly busy, busy person. Why, so I just want to finish off by asking some simple tips that people listening to this right now can do tonight to help them sleep. 
Because again, there's, there's some basic tips that are in your book. Again, there's, there's things about changing your mattress and all that sort of stuff and the importance of that. But there's also some fundamental basic stuff that people can do. So what things can people do tonight to improve the quality of their sleep? Okay. Can I just shove that straight back at you, Daniel? Yep. And say, Maybe. you've read my book three times over. Yep. Yep. We're talking today all over the place. Yep. What three tips would you give? What three tips would I give? I would say uh, turn off your electric devices 90 minutes before bed because, again, the blue light. So like we're talking about the circadian rhythm. So when it comes to the circadian rhythm, you want to be in tune with your natural body clock. So okay. when it starts to get dark outside, you start to get drowsy. If you're then looking at your phone, which is emitting blue lights, you want to put it onto night shift mode, potentially get some glasses. That would be tip number one, turn your electric devices off. Uh, also, you talk about being stimulated by them before you go to bed. So, for example, if you read an annoying text message or an annoying news article before you go to bed, it's going to put you in a heightened state, which then can leave you to be agitated, not go to sleep. Yeah. So that's my first one. Second one would be uh, get your room cool. So I know people, especially females, like to sleep in a warm, like warm and cozy with the hot water bottles and stuff. Yeah. But I would say, if best you can, uh, open up your windows. By the way, all this stuff is from you. So <laughs> it's like this, I make it sound like it's my own stuff. It's not. It's all your stuff you told me. Daniel. I think you've given more than three tips, by the way. Have I? Yeah. Oh, I was That's why devices. I nudged it back to you. I think you've done about... So pre-sleep. Pre-sleep, yeah. yeah. And then Live, yeah. yeah. Then yeah. the, bed, the yeah. bedroom. Uh, and... So you've asked me for three tips and you're already on about five or six already. <laughs> Have you got anything to check on top of that then? Is there anything I've missed? Yeah, go on. Uh... So there was that. Uh, oh, I've got, I had it. I, I can't think of the third one. What was I talking about? Blue light blockers. So, oh, uh, your food. Try not to um, eat your last meal three hours before bed. Now, this has got nothing to do with fat loss, by the way, because clients ask me this all the time. And they say, if I eat before I go to sleep, am I going to get fat? The answer is absolutely categorically not. However, when we're talking in terms of the body's natural rhythm, your body doesn't want to be digesting food when you sleep. So it's more for a comfort point of view. You don't want to be waking up in the middle of the night because your body's trying to digest your food. You don't want to so, wake up hungry. Exactly, yeah. So it's got nothing to do with fat gain. So before anyone reads too much into that, it's got nothing to do with gaining fat. Great tip. I'm going to write that one now. <laughs> there we go. So like I said, yeah. so you, you can only gain what? fat and a, calorie, and a calorie surplus. But is there anything else I missed? Is there anything that people can take from that? Anything else? Um, because what I know happens when you wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and you're wide awake? What do you do? Look at your next sleep cycle. So have a look at when your next sleep cycle is. So let's say, for example, it's 3.15. Then mm. basically just, uh, again, you don't want to be looking at any blue light and stuff, but just don't stress about it. You can get up, have a wander around, but then try and get your next sleep cycle. Maybe. Is that correct? Maybe. Yeah. Top I, feel tips, like, I feel like this is a test to see if I've actually read your book. And I... No, it's fine. It's fine. And, and I've listened to the audiobook as well. So if you get the audiobook on Audible, you get to hear Nick read it too as well. It's payback. Mm-hmm. Get to him listening to me. <laughs> I think the point, they're great tips, right? Because they come from you personally. So yeah. It's all stuff I do, by the way, as well. It's all stuff I, I practice myself. Yeah. Well, so, I, I, I wear them really nerdy glasses. They're the blue light blockers. Uh, yeah, I wear them. That's what uh, I've got. Well, okay, that's that's great. You know, my whole journey is all about sort of like educating other people with more knowledge than I have, right? Mm. About passing that on, and those tips are great. Um, I think the blue lights and the stuff is essential because that's what we do. But actually, you can just result 
resolve it very quickly, right? Because we can have shields on the screens, we can have this, we can have that, we can do that. But I think that that whole analogy, the one thing I'd just probably give to all your listeners is um, when we first started to listen about, you know, blue lights bad for you, keeps you awake, blue blocking glasses, uh, I just wandered back to a lovely place. The blue light is amazing. So I can see you sat next to a window yep. with the sun coming. So what we did with some young athletes, I don't want them to get scared about blue light and devices. I'm more worried about the overload of knowledge. Right? Mm -hmm. Too much information yep. in that. 24-hour rolling cycle. So the last thing you want to do is going to sleep thinking, you know, China or America are at war and stuff like that, <laughs> right? So it's not about the blue light. It's about that. So what you can do, give a little gift to all your people, is if you just download a free light meter onto your device, maybe you want to do this now. Yeah. If you're on iOS, it's called a free Lux light meter. I'm on Android. What's it called? Uh, well, just go into anywhere you can. Free Lux light meter. Yep. Don't get too scientific. You can if you want to. We do in certain areas. Just a free Lux light. Just use the camera on your phone to measure light. So Lux is spelled L-U-X. It's lumens, which is the way you measure light. So it's not That's measuring the, the, the actual light. There you go. go. It's going, it's going. Yeah. Is that fluctuate? Right. Just put it by the window now. So it's just a quick post-show edit because I realized when I turned away from the microphone, you couldn't actually hear me. So I then turned around, put my phone facing outside while it was still inside the building. So my phone was now facing outside the window and I got a reading of about 5,500. And now back in the room, it's 175. That was a great 175. time, 175. <laughs> uh, so, you know, for anybody listening, if you want to get the control with your blue light exposure under and over exposure, it's not about being outside. It's just having a relationship with being outside and inside. You know, we know all about artists, bringing the outside inside. So where you are sat right now, yep. you're in what's called melatonin land. Oh. Because the level of light is not 10,000 lux. Right? No. 10,000 lux is the average light exposure if you're outside. Right? So just by turning your face and your desk that way no way. now you're getting blue light now you're getting serotonin alertness awareness i know when you mentioned earlier on about mental health and well-being mm. and decision making and how things impact if you just point yourself at that window for just five minutes and get that level of luck even if you just stepped outside so is that what this is with, with, with the looks lights? Is that what you mean by the, the, the mood lighting? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I get it now. Because obviously reading the book, yeah. I, 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 searched on, um, I searched on Amazon for them uh, when I last read your book for this interview. And I couldn't figure out how they worked. But that makes perfect sense. So anyone that's, by the way, is downloading their looks at, uh, the looks app, make sure that you're, whether you figure out it's the front camera or the back facing camera. Because it is, for me, it's the front facing camera. But that makes perfect sense. So then by me sat at my desk, having that light hitting me, it's the equivalent of being outside. Yeah, it's like being charged up, like plugging your phone and getting a charge. Oh. If you just move 90 degrees and face the window, now you're getting serious fit. Right? You're getting natural energy light, right? Yep. If you actually went the other side of the glass, it would go up even further. 
So if I open the window, would that help? Or does glass not have a look at? Have a go. Let's have a look. I'm loving this. Window closed, window open. No, window open. Not really much impact. Put it outside. Oh, yeah, still climbing massively. Yeah, so much better. <laughs> yes, it's so much. It was still climbing. I don't want to waste any more time. It's going up, going up, going up. It's still so, climbing massively. So when people are buying looks lights, what what looks should they aim for? Is there a specific? Ten, that's all they need. Because yeah. when the human being was outside, involved with daylight, you know, first phase, second phase, of that, your exposure would be around ten thousand lights. Because you're looking up, you're looking down. There's clouds. There's trees. So that would be your average. So in the first two phases of your day, from sunrise to midday, and that would be 10,000 lux. Yep. So when you use a little thing like a light meter, what you can understand is it's not about being outside or inside. It's just what average level of lux were you being exposed to. And this is what mental health thing is all about. Right? Because that level of lux creates serotonin right? and that creates your happy mood your functional everything else and most people spend most of their time in a lux level that's way 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 beyond that and that's why where you're sat right now it's still going off now so it's two, 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 oh, two or four two or three two or four and i'm so by a window and i buy and i buy a window which is you're the shocking a window. thing there's that's no a shocking blinds, thing is there? there's no blinds and if i'm in an office cubicle if I'm just or even sat further over there, it'd be even worse. Nick, can I? This last ten minutes, <laughs> you, honestly, the value that you've just brought, I cannot even tell you. That is absolute gold. It's, you've you've literally changed my life because I know I suffer with sad, like the seasonal onset disorder. Yeah. I know full well I do. When it gets dark outside oh. in the mornings, I know my mood goes down. And literally, as soon as this calls over, I'm going to buy myself a look. coming on because yeah, no, daylight saving time. Well, not now because I'm going to get myself. No, not now. I'm going to myself a looks lamp. As soon as this calls over, I'm getting one. I'm going to stick it in my office for my coaches as well. That's I honestly just, game changer. Just, I think just the point I was trying to make because I'm so passionate about this, right? No, I love it. The point is, you get so worried about blue lights going to keep you awake, and you try to. You know, blue blocker glasses and stuff like that and technology. You have absolutely no idea of how valuable this light is. Yeah. It's, it's not like it's we're getting amazing. too much. We're not even getting too much. We're, getting, we're not getting enough and then we're worried about you blocking it. Enough. And then we're worried yeah. about blocking it. Yeah. So, I mean, Daniel, that's the point. If you don't get enough in the morning, then everything you do is, is like modified. So oh. just trying to wear some blue glasses late at night to try and get some good sleep... When you've not even tried to work with your brain and oh. stimulate these things, appetite, nutrition, hydration, activity, no excuses, amazing. And even looking at your room, right, you are being absolutely pounded mm. by daylight. But there's but nothing coming in. The difference between that glass yeah. and outside is I, thousand. I, I honestly can't believe, I, I can't believe the difference. You, you, you've Go literally on, so you, you shot me. So, I'm, so I'm fascinating now. Yeah, so now, well, so I said, so that's, that's what it is now. Two foot out there. Yep. Shove it by the glass. So, if I start facing the window, yeah. goes up to right now again, still climbing. So I'm 4,600, still climbing, still climbing. So it's going to be, it's, it's going to be well over 5,000, 5,500. So the difference in that is just by me facing that window. Yeah. Now, Daniel, 
don't have to be a scientist or an intellectual or sleep science to work out that the difference is 200 lux, one meter away from you, mm -hmm. it's thousands in climbing, right? And we all know about light. We know about melatonin, serotonin. We know about the pineal gland. We know about unsuppressing and depressing. We know all about that, even within one meter away from your work. So I think that's why you create elite athletes. Right? That's why you create... That is a marginal gain. Because it's that's literally... A, because yeah, people, aren't, yeah. people aren't watching the video right now. It is literally less than an arm's length away that I've got to turn. That's a marginal gain, isn't it? And that's a marginal gain. <laughs> but, it, but, but it's nuts though, isn't it? Because again, we talked about earlier on, and this is more relevant than the athletic stuff. You talk about people in an office and you want to get the most out of your staff and your employees, yeah. yet they're completely avoid from the windows. But actually, yeah. either having your office where they're right by the windows or having yeah. Lux lights in there to help them for yeah. the first two phases, you're going yeah. to get such more productivity and happier employees. I cannot tell you how much you've just blown my mind. That's amazing. That's yeah, a great you, statement. Uh, you, when you've you work my mind. corporates and stuff like that, you just like, you know, get all the AMs. They're functional. But what can you do for the PM? And all these well-being programs, Daniel. Uh, and it's just like with your own clients, you know. They come into the gym every day. And you're a personal trainer. And if you know their chronotype, maybe you might want to adjust their program a little bit. Mm. And your program a little bit because you're a PM. And I tell you what, I've been in so many CrossFit gyms you know what they're like, yep, nuts. Yep. <laughs> and they've got all these lights and fluorescent tubes everywhere, and everybody's mashing it out, smashing it out. And they just go, do you know you're all working out in 300 lux? <laughs> if you want to really push it and meet those targets, just walk to the edge of the window. So even inside of gyms and stuff, Daniel, you know, it's just like... It seems such a lit place, but it's artificial. Right? As soon as, as soon as this is as soon as this is over, I'm going into that gym, and I actually want to see what the look. I is. think you should change your gym, mate. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Uh, yeah, it's like I said. I, I wish you are uh, on the treadmill trying to push it out, heart rate variability, bang, 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 bang. But you're doing it in a lux level that actually means you're just trying to go to sleep. <sighs> if you only did that outside or brought that inside, man, and that's <sighs> why we create elite athletes. And I, I don't think there's a better place to end that than right there because the people listen to this and they're now going to be frantically downloading this Lux app on their phone. But honestly, anyone, Lux, L-U-X, download that light meter on your phone and just actually see when you're at work next, what is the kind of light exposure you're getting. Uh, and like I said, you can get Lux lamps uh, off Amazon. Get yourself a Lux lamp. 10,000 Lux yeah, is what Lux you need. Yeah, Lux everywhere. But it's about your understanding about your average Lux level because from sunset, you want to be average 10,000. Midday, 10,000. Midday into early evening, 10,000. Then you want to move into diminished light, like red light, amber light, yeah. diminished light. And when you get, you know, use technology like that, you know, who gives a fly about blue blockers and technology and everything else? That's all cool. We can move those things into your place. But the first place you need to know is did you get an average of 10,000 lux in the first two phases of your day? And I love this. Your bladder, your bowel, your nutrition, your appetite, your motivation, your stress, your anxiety are all going to be diminished. 
because the um the app on here it tells you the average that I've been getting. So by the time it's been going on, it tells you, which I think is absolutely brilliant. Tells you, doesn't it? Yeah, it tells you the average. <laughs> Honestly, I think you Daniel could go into real science about life. But it's a good space to start. No, no nice, honestly. easy step. Yeah. And we can start working out how much blue light and how much this light and your day-to-day 90-minute cycles, how much you get. We can do all of that. But the principle is take your first step and just go, oh, my God. <laughs> how much am I getting? Yeah. Nick, honestly, thank you so much. Where can people find out more information about you? What is your website and what is your Instagram handle? Uh, we're at uh, Sports Sleep Coach uh, everywhere, you know, Instagram. Uh, don't expect me to know the at Sports Sleep Coach on Twitter. Uh, if you're a member of your gym, you can just walk down the road and say hello. Uh, <laughs> SportsSleepCoach.com. We do all sorts of stuff everywhere, but, you know, SportsSleepCoach.com. Awesome. And I said, there'll be, there'll be all the links there in the show notes. Uh, and also I'll have a link in the show notes to Nick's book. Uh, as I said, highly recommend it. Again, it's a, it's a really easy read. Uh, I managed to push it off in five days. So that's, that's with my, my slow reading pace as well. Uh-huh. But like I said, it's, as in Nick just explains it in the most simplistic way, it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, Nick, honestly, thank you so much for your time today. I know my audience is going to be uh, so grateful for the value that you gave. Uh, so I just can't thank you enough. Okay, Nick.